one day I had the children in the bathtub and I was just letting them splash around. And uh, for whatever reason, I picked up the baby wash that I had always used and I looked at the ingredient list and I was appalled. It, it was filled with chemicals and petroleum based chemicals and all these ingredients I didn't want. And here I was doing all of this stuff to be, you know, feed my family healthy. And I was putting all this garbage on their skin. Um, so I decided right then and there, that was it. I was going to learn how to make soap. I wasn't buying any of that stuff ever again. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. And before we get started with today's episode, just a couple of quick pieces of housekeeping. One, in case you didn't hear the last episode, uh, we are only two months away from the 2016 Half Hour Intern Awards, where we're going to give out awards to some of the best and most fun episodes and people that have been on the show in 2016. So right now in the month of October, I'm taking suggestions for what sorts of categories you guys would like to give out awards to. So uh, my mom heard that and being my number one fan, she immediately sent me all sorts of texts of the different things that she would like to hear about. So I'm going to read some of those right now to give you guys sort of a spark of inspiration that you could then either tweet at me or email me with your ideas. So some of her ideas are most radical job change, biggest heart for others award most life-changing switch biggest inspiration hobby i'd like to try the most award most bizarre job or hobby most envied occupation so my mom was on it she had she was like rapid fire texting me with all these great ideas so anyways if you have an idea for something that you would like to make as an awards category for the 2016 awards just head on over to half hour intern and you can email me through my site or you can uh, just tweet at me at Half Hour Intern. The other piece of housekeeping is I just wanted to say thank you so much to the gentlemen over at the Entwined Podcast who are my most recent contributors on my Patreon page. They make a really cool podcast called Entwined, which uh, explores kind of the interconnectedness in the world, like the things that seem very not interconnected, either historically or just around us in the world, that actually are completely interconnected, and they explore these things. And it's a really great podcast that I highly recommend. But anyways, just thank you guys so much for contributing to support the Half Hour Intern podcast on Patreon. That means a lot. And if you would like to support the show like they did, just head on over to patreon.com slash half hour intern and you yourself will get a shout out on this show and you will be able to sleep great at night knowing that you are one of the people that is keeping this show alive now on to today's episode it is such a great episode you guys i interview pj jonas who is one of the owners with her husband of goat milk stuff which is an absolutely awesome goat milk stuff company. It is exactly what it sounds like. They make a bunch of stuff with goat milk. So they live on a farm in Indiana and with their entire family, by the way, they have eight children and they live on this farm in Indiana. And uh, PJ noticed that her husband, his fingers were dry and cracking a lot because he's a teacher and was using chalk on the chalkboard. And, uh, and she was also not really happy with the products that she was using on her children's skin. So she decided to try to make some uh, soap with goat milk because they had some goats on the farm. So um, anyways, the, the soap went so well and worked so well for her family that they decided to make a little bit more of it and sell some of it. And it things just kept getting ramped up and ramped up. And uh, they made a full-blown business out of it. They've added many new products over the years. And now they have this like mini goat milk empire. It's just this absolutely awesome business. And something that is super cool about her business and their story is that all of their children, all eight children are employees of the business, like full on employees. Their children are homeschooled on their property and they uh, like take their lessons from school and they apply them at work. It's like just this, this wonderful, beautiful life that this family is living on their farm in Indiana. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about obviously the business end of everything. We'll talk about how absolutely adorable these goats are. And you guys have to go on their YouTube page and check out some of the videos of their goats. They're like the cutest things in the entire world. 
Um, and something super awesome that PJ did for listeners of Half Hour Intern is she will be giving a free bar of soap away to anyone who would want it. And how could you not want a free bar of super awesome homemade goat milk soap? So anyways, just head on over to goatmilkstuff.com slash intern soap and you will get a free bar of her super great soap. So without further ado, here is Goat Farmer. PJ, thanks so much for joining me on the show. I'm so glad to be here, Blake. Yeah, yeah. So before I get started, I just have to tell you that I absolutely love your company name. It might be like my favorite company name of all time. I, it's just so good. Like It's so straightforward and to the point and therefore also kind of like cute and quirky. I don't know. It's just the perfect company name. You know, it was something that when we were were trying to decide, you know, as being a being a goat farm, so many people have all these, you know, hidden hills and willow brook and like all of these things. And we're like, we just want to make goat milk stuff. Why don't we just do that? <laughs> and I checked the domain and the domain was open. I was like, okay, we're goat milk stuff. That's us. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so good. And the other thing I want to say before we get started is I know it's hard to rank children and especially like you have got eight children. So it's probably really hard. But is Fletcher like your best and brightest kid? What are we talking here? Yeah, so Fletcher's my, uh, I call him my 110% kid. He's my kid who puts 110% into whatever he's doing, whether it's good, bad, <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's all in. So, yeah, I love it. All right, Fletcher's good deal. Awesome. Yeah, keeping the name right. All right. Um, all right, so let's talk about you and talk about what you do. So if you could please just start out by telling us about the evolution of goat milk stuff. I... I can kind of imagine how this all started in terms of like maybe you had a couple of goats and you were making a little bit of stuff for yourself and then it grew from there. But take us through the whole point of of maybe just having some stuff for yourselves and then deciding like, okay, you know what, we are going to try to make a business out of this. Yeah. So having eight children and homeschooling them, you know, it, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work and we're around each other all the time. And I wanted to raise the children in as healthy a way as possible. And so I convinced my husband, which took quite a lot of convincing, that we needed to get our own goats because we needed to feed our family raw milk. Uh, raw milk is really healthy, but there's a lot of controversy around it. And it's actually illegal to purchase in the state of Indiana for human consumption. So rather than going underground to get my milk, I decided that we were just going to get our own goats. And so we had them. I got them in 2006. And you know, we loved them. It was great for the kids to do all their chores. We got to drink all the milk. I started making cheese, all of these sorts of things you could do with the with the milk. And then one day I had the children in the bathtub and I was just letting them splash around. And uh, for whatever reason, I picked up the baby wash that I had always used and I looked at the ingredient list and I was appalled. It, it was filled with chemicals and petroleum based chemicals and all these ingredients I didn't want. And here I was doing all of this stuff to be, you know, feed my family healthy. And I was putting all this garbage on their skin. Um, so I decided right then and there, that was it. I was going to learn how to make soap. I wasn't buying any of that stuff ever again. And so I started doing research and most soap is made with water, but I had the goat milk and I knew it was good, you know, to drink. And you hear all those stories about Cleopatra taking her milk baths and stuff. And I figured out, what the heck, I'll just put it in the soap and we'll see what happens. And so I made the first batches of soap and when they were cured and I put them in the in the shower for my husband to use, his fingers started, um, I'm sorry, stopped cracking and splitting. Wow, and that's that, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And that was a problem. He'd been a teacher for seven years. So with all the chalkboards, you know, he had a lot of problems with that. And then he was actually a garbage man for about five years. And so he was always wearing gloves and getting them wet and stuff. And so we had tried everything to stop his fingers from cracking. And so just by switching the soap, it fixed it. And I was like, okay, I've really got something here. I can, I can do something with this. I can't uh, wait to try this out then because my wife, hopefully she's okay with me saying this, but she has the same thing. Her fingers crack yeah. like all the time. So, um, yep. yeah. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And, you know, for a lot of people, he's able to use all the scented soaps and stuff, but there are people who just need to stay away from the scented soaps. But so we have we have unscented ones for them. But for a lot of people, it's just those chemicals. Those chemicals are just really bad and destroying on your skin. And you put you put lotion on and most lotion that you get from the store has chemical preservatives in it. And so that's damaging as well. Yeah. So really just by going natural and the goat milk makes a huge difference as well. So that's what worked for him. So hopefully it'll help. Awesome. I love it. So 
I have a couple of questions about that. So first of all, I'm pretty into nutrition. So I understand the difference between goat milk versus cow's milk. Is that why you wanted to get goats to give your family goat milk? Or is it just because goats are smaller than cows? Yeah. So goat milk, as you know, is it's a lot more easily digestible. Most people who have lactose intolerance have no trouble at all with goat milk. The The fat molecules are smaller. So it's um, a little more bioavailable, the nutrition that you get from the goat milk as well. Um, they're wonderful. They're small. You don't have to worry about the children, them getting hurt. You can have a buck and not have, have any of those problems with having a big bowl around. That being said, I did try a Jersey cow for a little while because I really wanted the butter. I really wanted the cream. Oh, yeah, yeah. To the top and make the butter. Um, and I, I just never felt... I, I never really bonded with the cow. Um, she was big. She wasn't. She wasn't mean or anything. But I was just always afraid she was going to step on one of the children or or hurt them. And they're not as clean as goats. Goats are a lot cleaner. Cows tend to be a little gross, so it's never really comfortable drinking the milk raw the yeah. way I am with the goats. So that was how we ended up with the goats. Goats are just they're awesome. They have such personality and they're so much fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I watched some of the videos on your YouTube channel, which I highly recommend anyone do if they're having a bad day because there's just so many cute goats everywhere. I love it. Yeah, we had 114 babies born this past year, so it was oh just... Oh my gosh, that was going to uh, be a question for you later. <laughs> yeah, so how many goats are you guys at right now? We're milking 64 right now. Okay. Um, we're milking that by hand up until about four months ago when our machine milking building and equipment was finally installed and in place. It took about six months longer than we thought it would, so we ended up milking 64 by hand for many weeks, which was really exhausting. Um and next year we're going up to about eighty. So what are what what happens with the rest that are born? Like what what is the growth cycle and life cycle like for a goat? When they're born, we're there at every birth. We um we catch them. We help the moms deliver our moms. Um, the typically it's twins, but we have a lot of goats that have triplets, and we've even had three sets of quads. And when there's that many babies in there, they can get tangled up. So we're, we make sure that we're there to help deliver them, so that nobody has any trouble. Um, we feed them. We bottle feed them um, for their health. There's a goat disease that could be passed. So we bottle feed them for their health, and it also makes them a lot friendlier. Um, and then we have a lot of the boys, most of the boys go to 4-H. So 4-H is really big here in the Midwest. Um, so we have, we actually have a waiting list for that. We have more people who want them. What is that? 4-H? Yeah. Oh my gosh. 4-H um, is a, it, it's a um, program for children where they learn to show animals. They um, they can do other projects like baking and, and insects and things like that. Um, but they show them and they teach leadership um, it's a really great program. So That's a lot so of people cool. have they do the goat project and they, they raise them and then they show them and they get ribbons and awards. And if you're really good and get, you know, and, and go, move on up with 4-H, there's, I mean, scholarships and there's a lot of money in it if you're really good at it. Okay. Got it. So when you said the boys do that, you meant your boys, not the boy goats go to this thing. Yeah, no, actually, I meant the boy goats. Oh, okay. um, we're, we're too busy for 4-H. 4-H is a great program, but my children get a lot of that stuff just from working goat milk stuff in the business, and, and they don't really have time to go out and show their goats. But that's what happens okay. with most of the boy baby goats. Right, so we'll because they can't be milked, milk. so right. Yeah, yeah. so um, most of them go for that, and they, they get picked up about a week, um, and then a lot of the girls go for um, you know, a lot of homesteading type of, of situations. Um, we have some people who start dairies and, and want to get a, a good herd to start with. So they'll come and, and do that. Um, and then we keep, you know, this year we kept 27 baby girls and I think three baby boys um, to grow the herd and, and um, either you know, replace what um, is getting older or just keep growing. I'm surprised that you get rid of any of the females. How do you decide if you're, you know, if you're selling some and keeping others, what is the process like for deciding who you keep? <laughs> well, well the, you, you base it off of their mom and you base it off of their dad. Um, at this point, we've been doing this for so long. We don't really have bad goats. And so a lot of times it'll be like, oh, we really like the colors on that one. <laughs> or, you know, the children will fall in love with one of the goats because they're just sweet and they have really different temperaments. So some of them are just more, more snuggly than others. And, and those tend to be kept, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a process and we try and have keep different bloodlines. So if we're getting a little too heavy on one bloodline, we'll switch to another bloodline that, you know, it's, it's not super scientific. Do you do that just because, uh, like a more diverse bloodline will lead to more like robust goats? Actually, there, there's a little bit of that happens, but, um, 
when you start to change bloodlines, they become a little bit more unpredictable. Um, when you, you know, you stick with the ones you know, you pretty much know what you're going to get, what their strengths are going to be, what their weaknesses are going to be. Um, so, so it kind of goes on both of that. Interesting. So, and is there any particular type of goat that you have to to breed for this? Uh, like the best type of milking goat? Like you mentioned a Jersey cow earlier. Jersey cows are really famous as like milk cows. Um, anything like that for a goat? Yeah, so there are different goat breeds. There's meat goats and then there's dairy goats. So obviously, you know, a meat goat can give milk because they've got they raise their own babies, but they're not going to give an, enough extra for us to do what we want to do. So we have dairy goats, and there's different breeds in there. Um, we've tried a lot of the different breeds over the years and settled on alpines. Um, we like the alpines because uh, they're really good milk producers. They're very friendly and curious. They're not neurotic like some breeds of goats are, and they have different color patterns. So some of the some of the breeds are like the same exact color. And like I said, we we really enjoy having having goats of different colors. It, it makes us happy to look out there and see some black, some white, some spotted, some brown. You know, it's just much more interesting. Yeah, the goats in your videos were just so cute. I loved this one video that I saw of uh this i it, it was probably your husband um feeding one of the or i think just like sitting petting one of the like a really little baby goat or something and then there was a little bit older of a baby goat coming up and kept on trying to it was so much like a puppy it reminded me so much of a little puppy kept on like trying to jump all over him and like get you know like pay attention to me pay attention to me and the goat was just wagging its tail nonstop. and i was like that's the cutest thing i've ever seen like i didn't know that goats wag their tails the same way the dogs do yeah, they do, especially if they're if they're drinking their bottles. It, it goes nonstop. But, you know, I tell people that it's really hard to maintain a bad mood when you're around baby goats. So this past year, we actually started, we call it our baby goat experience, where people can come and just spend some time in the baby goat pen. And it's probably one of <laughs> the best things we ever did because we just hear so many good things about the people who come out. They come out for their birthdays. They, they just come out for all sorts of things to to just hang out with the baby goats. It's just, it's all so cool. It, it's so interesting, the roots that that life takes and like you see the path that you're on um, and like it just, I guess, like how different things could have ended up. It's like, it, it's funny due to uh, your the story you told earlier, like noticing these chemicals in the baby wash and then noticing that your husband's fingers were cracking and all these different things. You're like, oh, maybe we should get some goats. Maybe we can make some goat stuff. And it's like now you're having this enriching experience for people of your entire community and people are coming from like far away to see your goats and you are getting to experience and meet all these different people because of this. Um, it's just it's just amazing. It's just so great. Yeah, my, my life is pretty awesome. I tell people I, I get to work with my husband. I get to work with my children. I get to help people with their skin. I get to provide people. Um, we have nobody in my family does. But one of the things when we first started was eczema is a huge issue. And so many children are suffering. And the soap helps that. Um, and the, the babies that can't, you know, that can't drink any cow's milk, can't have any ice cream. They can come and they can drink our goat milk and they can have our gelato and have a safe treat. And, you know, it, it, it's just wonderful what we get to do. Yeah, that's so great. So, yeah, it's interesting that you talk about, you know, having faith in yourself and having faith in God and faith that things are going to work out and stuff like that, because I feel like in typical business and in so much of life that makes so much sense and there's a lot of this element of the harder that you work the more that you're going to succeed like let's say you're a mechanic and you work on cars if you work for 10 hours a day you're just going to fix more cars than if you work eight hours a day so it's like your fate is a lot in your hands and you can have kind of like faith in yourself and everything what's interesting is i find that for myself um and and people that i interview and people i know that have kind of internet-based businesses is the internet is a really big place. And it's something that I almost didn't entirely consider, I know, before I started my business. And for you, it's got to be even more interesting. Um, Like you live in a rural area on a farm and you're trying to market this goat milk. And rather than just sell it only locally, you're really expanding this business and doing it on the internet. Um, Talk about, I guess, that and what that was like trying to make this push and this presence online and get people to know who you are. Yeah, so I, I knew when I started that I wanted to be an internet-based business. You know, obviously, I had so many young children that it was a lot easier just dealing with them if you know if they were sick or not feeling well that I could still keep the business going if it was internet-based. So that was always kind of the goal. Um, you know, I, I learned to code. I put up my own uh, website. 
the trick, as you mentioned, then is getting people to your website. And there's there's so many different ways to do that. Some are more successful than others. Some are successful for a certain amount of time, and then things change, and you have to you know be be very uh, nimble and able to switch when when things stop working and figure out you know how to know when it stopped working. And that's a that's a whole nother piece to it. But we started once the website was up with going to the craft fairs and craft shows. And we went and we would give out samples. We would give out um, business cards with our website on it and our contact information on it. And we would also collect uh, email addresses so we could sign them up for our newsletter. And that was how we initially brought people to the website. When was this that this was happening? So I started in 2008. The first... um, uh, festival we did was the fall of 2008. Wow, that is so such like kind of ahead of your time thinking. Like nowadays, I feel like email lists and, and what you were doing back then, it, like that kind of information, like you can read a lot of places online will tell you to do things like that. But back then, I feel like that was incredibly forward thinking for you to be doing that. Yeah, you know, it really wasn't as mainstream, you know, in e-commerce back then. It was really, you know, I say right now it's so much easier to start a website and put a website up because you have all of these these different choices. Back then, you know, I had to learn to to code because there really were, weren't those shopping cart options. Yeah. Um. So it's it's definitely a much easier environment uh, now. I think to get started on one respect, as far as the tools, on the other respect, it's so much more crowded that you really have to figure out what it is that's going to distinguish you and what's going to set you apart and make you different from everybody else. Yeah, for sure. So talk about trying to determine that for yourself. And I guess also how that played into some of the press. Like you guys have gotten such unbelievable press over the years. And you guys have been on the Today Show and like all, all these all these incredible like national news things and everything. Um, I feel like probably your family has a lot to do with that. Like that whole beautiful story of your family and everything. Is that something you thought about back then? Do you think that that influenced your ability to to kind of get recognition? Oh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> our families are family and, and we don't, we just take it for granted. Um, but as we started Goat Milk Stuff, it became really obvious to us just how how different that was from everybody else. And how, you know, people would just look at us and be like, you, you do what? You have you have eight kids, you make soap, you sell soap, what? You know? <laughs> yeah. Blown away by that. So it was definitely, um, you know, people are attracted to our family and our work ethic. You know, I hear so much from, um, well, from from everybody, but particularly the older generations. You know, oh, kids don't work anymore. You know, I, <laughs> of course, that when I was young, you know, and all of those things. And so, I think that um, that makes it a good story. You know, we were also, um, you know, we weren't the first people ever to make goat milk soap. There was there were a lot of people doing it before we were, but uh, we were the first people to one of the first people, I shouldn't say the first people, one of the first people to really kind of go big with it. So I think um, the fact that it was still so new, you know, nowadays you can you can go to your farmer's markets and, and pretty much everybody, uh, every farmer's market has somebody making goat milk soap. And um, that helps and hurts us. You know, it helps us because it's still uh, getting, um, you know, the fact that goat milk soap is really good out there. Um, the problem that we find is there's a lot of competitors that really make an inferior product um, because they think, oh, I can just make a quick buck doing this. And, you know, I've had a lot of people be like, oh, goat milk soap is terrible. And I'm like, no, no, goat milk soap is awesome. You just have to try our soap. Yeah, know? for so, sure. They're probably um, putting like one single drop of goat milk into the soap and then it's just who knows what else. Yeah, and they can go in the other direction and put way too much goat milk in, thinking they're making a better product, and then it just is mushy and you know and dissolves into into nothing. Oh, actually, good point. Yep, that is more of a problem. You know, oh, it's all it's so much goat milk. I'm like, okay, well, there's there's you know, we did a lot, a lot of research and testing, determining exactly how much was the best, where you got the most moisturizing, you know, and still had a bar of soap that would last. So you know, competition you always know you're going to have competition. Competition is a good thing. It means that you've got, you know, a viable, um, a viable business and you just have to set yourself apart and, you know, be willing to not put other people down, but know the differences in your product and know what it is that, that makes yours you know, so much special. I have a, I have a page on my website. It's called not all goat milk soaps are created equal. Um, you know, where I talk about, and I put a lot of the feedback from some of our customers who, yeah, that's a good idea. 
yeah, they've tried something at, at their local farmer's market because it was easy and convenient. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is terrible compared to yours. I'm never going to do this again. And, you know, so I list it there so people can see that, you know, it does make a difference where you get your goat milk soap. And it's not just a matter of putting goat milk in it. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. So I have two questions, I guess, about the kind of start and growth of your brand and the, the growth of media around you guys and everything. So one, I guess, would be what like what how did you i guess get your first recognition like what was i guess your first what you would consider your first major tv appearance or your first major interview and how did that take place and the other question that i guess you can just tie your answer into that is has there ever been any particular interview or anything that you've done that was just some major tipping point for your business that just absolutely skyrocketed it to what it is today? Or has it been kind of like a slow and steady wins the race? Like you just keep on chugging along and keep growing the brand. Yeah. So our first, our first television interview, I love the story. We were at a craft fair. It was put on at a local school by the baseball team and the baseball moms were going around bringing donuts to all of the vendors. And, you know, my kids see a donut cart and they all go running for the donut cart and they're, they're talking with the ladies, the two moms, and they're asking them my children question. My kids are telling them everything, all whatnot. And um, the mom later came up to me and she says, okay, she says, I have got to interview you. And it turned out she was Rachel Platt, who was one of our local um, hosts of television news show down here um, in a Louisville station. And that was our first television interview. You know, so I tell people that, you know, you just have to be you. You just have to have a good story. You just have to be talking to everybody about it because those opportunities are out there and you can spend a lot of time, a lot of money trying to chase them down. But if you ask so many people, so, so much of that just happens you know, in a serendipitous kind of environment. Oh where my gosh, just, absolutely. You know, it just happens. And, you know, th- having big publicity is wonderful. Um, you know, everyone that, the big ones that we've had, you know, definitely bumps the the base sales up a notch. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's hard when you have a sudden influx of sales. You know, that's people are like, oh, my gosh, we would do good. You know, they, they don't necessarily realize the, the downside of having that. You know, you have to have your customer service. You have to be able to to handle all of that um, because you're making you're making a big impression right from the get go. And if it you know, your normal turnaround time is 48 hours and you have a big publicity and it turns out to two weeks, you know, that's not necessarily giving the impression that you think it, that you want people to have. Um, so definitely, you know, I would never, I would never turn down the opportunity, but, um, you know, there, there are both sides to that coin. Um, have, have you ever had any actual issues because of that? And, and as well, when you have a big appearance coming up, do you purposely ramp up production before the appearance even happens? Yeah. Yeah. We, we ramp up tremendously. Um, we do not want to run out. Um, from that, the the worst thing you can do is have something go on back order. It, that does not help you at all. You just turn people off. Um, so, you know, we, when, if we have a big one, you know, my husband and I will have stayed up, you know, 16 hours, 18 hours, you know, um, getting, keeping orders going, let all the children go to sleep, let the employees go home, take some rest and come back. <laughs> you know, he and I are up getting ready for the next day um, because it does, it does matter. So, uh, you know, it's especially now that we've moved into food products, it's a little bit harder to have the big publicity. Um, you know, so we try, you know, that's, that's the, it's, it's, you can only make so much cheese in advance and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so we, we try and balance that a little bit. Yeah. That's interesting. Can we, we, we've talked about it a little bit, but can we talk more about your business being kept in the family and kind of like the benefits of that and the fun of that and everything. I, any video that I see of you guys online, it, it just, I, I'm like in awe of your family. You, you have like the most beautiful, wonderful family. And it, it's, I, I feel like the values that you're instilling in your kids are just so great. So I guess if, if you can talk about like what it's like as a parent, having your kids as, as like quote unquote employees and how you try to manage them and kind of the benefits that you see of the entire setup. Yeah, we, we love our lives. We are so blessed to be able to work together as a family and to have my husband home full time working with us. You know, I couldn't ask for more than that. Um, that being said, we are a farm. 
And so we work seven days a week and that can get tiring at times. That can get, you know, we can get a little bit on each other's nerves at times, but bottom line, we love it and we wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have any other, <laughs> any other life. You know, we go on vacation and we're like, oh, I can't wait to get back to the farm. I wonder what the goats are doing, you know? Um, so, so there's, you know, that kind of balance. Um, teaching the children is my, my biggest goal. Uh, you know, having them grow up to work hard, to understand, you know, hard work is not a punishment. Hard work is a part of life. If you can find something you do that you love that helps other people and you can work with people that you love and enjoy, you know, that's the best kind of work there is. So we spend a lot of time dealing with the fundamentals with the children, um, getting them where they know what they're doing, which they're, they're very fast learners. I mean, most of them have grown up doing this, so it's, you know, it's kind of intuitive at this point. Um, but the other thing that we're doing is, um, is, is training the children to take over the business. You know, I see a lot of, a lot of, uh, of businesses, of family businesses, of, you know, even just families, to be perfectly honest, where, you know, the, the, the parents are successful and then the kids fall apart. Um, because they haven't been taught the skills that the parents have been taught. So we have given the children, it's down to about about eight and a half years now. So when my youngest daughter turns 18, my husband and I are out of the business. You know, I've told wow. them that. Yeah, I've told them that um, I'll be happy, you know, to give a tour. I'll be happy to do interviews. I'll be happy to, you know, maybe even bag soap every once in a while. But I am not paying a bill, making a decision, hiring anybody, firing anybody, dealing with the government, anything like that. <laughs> yeah. um, doing payroll, you know, all of that stuff. So they're all in training right now to take over those kinds of, of duties and learn that. So um, my oldest three, when, when my kids turn 16, they start taking classes at our... Um, at our local community college. And so it looks like in the spring semester, they'll all be taking accounting together because they'll, you know, even if they're not the one that, that does the accounting for the business, they'll need to be able to understand it and whatnot. Um, and then a lot of it just goes by their personality, you know, who's suited for what I have, you know, one, um, one child who looks like he definitely be better at dealing with the HR side of things because he's fair, um, but he's also tough. Whereas, like, you know, my like for example, my oldest, my daughter would be a mess. You know, if if she ever had to fire anybody, like she, <laughs> she's just not you know her personality. Yeah. So we're we're trying to you know kind of look at their personalities, look at their their skills, their gifts, and figure out what you know what roles they're going to take in the business moving forward. I love that. I just can't imagine how ahead of the curve your kids are. It, it, it's such a, it's such a, I feel like important thing that, that people should be talking about more right now and, and that people definitely are talking about more right now, but it's just the idea of education and like what type of education that we're giving kids. I feel like when I was growing up, um, the idea of homeschooling a kid was very, very strange. And, and like, or maybe that was just the way I perceived it, but it was like, that's weird. And how could you actually get a good education that way? And nowadays, as the United States is slipping in so many areas in terms of our ability to educate our children, it's like you're, you're homeschooling your kids and they're working at the same time. So any lesson that they're getting on any given day, they immediately can apply that lesson. Or like you, you mentioned your kids going to the community college to take an accounting course. Like when I was in college, I had to take an accounting course too. And you could have tested me on any of those accounting topics three months later, and I would not have known any of them, you know, because it's in one ear out the other. There's no application. There's no real world anything to any of it. And I feel like that's such a, the kind of missing component for education is that there is no need for application while you're learning things. So it's sort of just a memorization and then it's done. And I feel like what you're doing with your family and what you're doing with your kids sets them so far ahead of other children to succeed. Um, like they're just in their own class. Yeah, they've already got plenty of job offers. If they ever wanted to leave the farm, they wouldn't have any trouble uh, uh, getting a job. But, you know, I tell people with homeschooling, my children learn a lot less. Um, you know, I shouldn't say learn less. They cover a lot less ground than they would in the public school. But exactly like you said, they remember it. They remember it. They use it. Um, I've spent most of their younger years not really teaching them any facts. They never learned their math tables. They never you know, learned penmanship. They didn't do any of that. Instead, what I taught them was to think, to problem solve, and to teach themselves. 
you know, I will never give them answers. I'll always ask them a question instead, you know, yeah. and, and, and make them kind of figure it out. Um, and it, it, you know, so far it's, it's still an experiment in progress, but based on the older ones, I am, I am very, very pleased with how it's going. They are, they are very capable, very hard workers. They can figure out what they don't know. Um, you know, cause I didn't know how to make soap when I started this business. I didn't know how to milk a goat. I'd never done any of that, but you know, I never stopped learning and, and that's kind of the model that I'm, I'm passing on to them. Yeah. I love it. Do all of your kids want to continue working for the business or do you have any of the older ones that are kind of wanting to go off and do their own thing? Yeah, no, right now everybody still wants to. Um, I have two kids that I personally think would be benefited by going out, getting another job for two years and then coming back. I think that um, they're that they need to realize how good they have it here, you know, and I think the other children need to realize how much help they actually are when they are here. Um, So I have two that I'd like to see do something else for a little while and then come back. Um, My oldest daughter uh, is a writer, so she writes, but she, you know, she wants to work here to support her writing habit. So (laughs) that's, that's kind of where, where they're at right now. That's great. One of the cutest, funniest things that I saw was uh, this, this piece. I think your local news did it on you guys that I saw on YouTube and one of your younger daughters, the, uh, the reporter asked her something to the effect of like, what's your favorite? favorite part of the day or something like that and she's like like when i get off work and it's like that's just i like had a smile from ear to ear because it's like that's it that's like what 99 percent of people say <laughs> like well, it's, exactly. and it was just like eight-year-old girl saying that it was just the cutest thing i've ever seen yeah yeah you know and, and it's they, they love to to leave and you know you'll find them in the woods and you'll find them building stuff and you know i don't i don't ever let them play video games we don't do anything like that so they're always outside doing something yeah i love or it reading. that's the other thing they do is they hide and they read that's so great. I love it. it, I, it it's like Swiss Family Robinson. You just have this little miracle family over there. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the products and uh, and about your business. So how many products are you up to now? Obviously, you started out with just soap. What do you do now? Yeah, we, we do way too much stuff right now. So we have all the soaps. We have about 40 different scents of goat milk soap plus unscented ones. And we have specialty soaps like shaving and pet and loofahs. And then we do like bath and body stuff like lip balms and lotions and uh, deodorant. Our deodorant is really popular right now. Um, we do laundry soap and liquid soap and candles because people loved the scents and their soap so much they asked me if I could make candles to match. So we, we do that as well. Um, and then we switch to all the, the food stuff. So we do all sorts of different kinds of goat cheese. We do a chev and then all sorts of uh, flavored chevs. So that's kind of what people think when they think the typical goat cheese is the kind of like a cream cheese, the white spreadable yeah. goat cheese. We do fetas and marinated fetas. And uh, we're working on a pressed cheese right now, which is really, really good. I can't wait to, to be able to introduce that and roll that out. Oh, my gosh. Then, I'm like drooling yeah. over here just hearing about all these, these oh, things. It sounds so, so good. good. And then um, all the candies. So we do um, goat milk caramel, which is like so good. Um, chocolate covered caramel, toffee, fudge, goat milk fudge. And then our, our newest product that we just rolled out is gelato, which is like an ice cream, but but made with goat milk. So well, I, It's amazing that you're doing all these things because I imagine several of these have to have their own kind of startup cost associated with them, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's putting it mildly. <laughs> yeah. They're all very, very unique, very, you know, different kind of specialized equipment um, dealing with the the uh, federal regulation and the state regulation when we moved into food products was, um, you know, I thought it was going to be kind of like expanding goat milk stuff, but it was kind of like starting a whole new business all over again. So there was a huge learning curve there. Yeah. Are you even able to make the food products on site? Do you have to take them elsewhere to make them to like a co-packer or something? Oh, no, no, no. We we built, um, we actually have two certified kitchens. We have the candy kitchen and we have our cheese kitchen. Um, we are a certified grade A dairy. So our milk gets tested. All our products get tested by the state every month. Um, we have to have lab reports done. Um, it's, it's, it's all done here. Wow. So it's like not only... Not only do you have the regular food related stuff that you went into, just in terms of like the quality assurance and things like that, but it sounds like it's probably even more difficult than a regular food product because it's kind of like a living culture, more or less. Much, much more difficult, much more, much more complicated. Um, You know, I I, I say that if, uh, 
if I had known what I was getting myself into, I'm not sure I would have expanded into the food products because it's just, it is a lot of regulation. It is a lot of paperwork. Um, you know, I kind of went into it thinking, oh, well, you know, I've made cheese for a decade. I've never gotten my family sick, you know, it'll be fine. But yeah. you have to prove that um, and have all your traceability and all your and all your records. So the the overhead, the paperwork is a lot more than I thought it would be. Is that why you have started doing these other things? Like you mentioned that you recently started Gelato. Is it like, look, I'm already paying all this money for this regulatory stuff. I might as well try to get as many products out as I can. Yeah, that wasn't so much the driving force. I mean, I, you know, I named it goat milk stuff because I always wanted to do everything with goat milk. Um, so we've pretty much gone into all the categories that I had originally envisioned um, about the, you know, the cheese, the candy, the the gelato. Um, that's pretty much all the stuff we made for ourselves. About the one thing that's missing that I have no plans to go into um, is goat butter. You know, that's that's something that I get asked for all the time, but it's um, it, it's incredibly labor intensive and you know not something that that we can justify the cost that we'd have to charge to do it on you know on such a small scale um so really pretty much all of the the food products the soaps everything that i I really wanted to make with with goat milk you know and make available to people i mean like i said you know this is a cow country people still you know you say goat milk and people go and make a face and they don't realize how good it is and how healthy it is and how digestible it is yeah Um, so so much better yeah just just really wanted to get that out there a little bit more you mentioned the price thing I'd, i'd love to hear your perspective on how how to price things and like what that all is like something that really really frustrates me is when i'll hear people talking about whole foods or something and they call it whole paycheck or you know whatever and it's like it costs a lot of money to make good things it costs a lot of money to make things period and we've gotten so far away from that so people go to safeway or whatever their local market is and they buy a gallon of cow's milk for three dollars or something and they're like yep this is exactly how much a gallon of milk should cost and then you know some small independent farmer tries to sell a quart of milk for six dollars and they're laughed at you know and it's like oh why are you price gouging and it's like well, I have to feed this cow every day and I have all this land and there's like just so much stuff to do. I just, I get very frustrated with, with people's, the way that people scoff at the prices of things because I, I feel like we, we are so used to, so many people are so used to the prices of like big box stores and things like that. And they expect mom and top, mom and pop places to be able to compete with that. So I guess with all that in mind, like how you're the one that actually has to make these decisions on like, how do we price this and how can we price this? Um, what, like, how does that all affect you? All right. So before I get into how we do it, you know, one of the things that most people do not understand is that uh, most of our food in this country is subsidized. There's corn subsidies, soy subsidies. And what that does is it brings the cost of those foods down below what it actually costs to produce them. And the same is true with the dairy. So all of those things cost more than you can actually buy them for. And that's why when you get real food that's not made with chemicals and not sprayed with pesticides and doesn't use GMO, you know, genetically modified organisms, that's why it costs more. Um, and I think that you're right. People don't understand it, but I think I think it's going more in the direction where people do. Um, obviously, the obesity epidemics, the you know the the problems with us, uh, you know, all of our food containing sugar in it, um, is getting a lot more attention. Um, and I think that if if we can just figure out a way to stop the corn and soy subsidies, pr- um, food will get back to. A, a better and more sustainable pricing model and where all the cheap processed food that's really unhealthy and really bad for you and really causing a lot of problems in the inner city and the food deserts will go away because those, you know, high fructose corn syrup won't be subsidized anymore. Right. Of course. Um, that being said, we, uh, so what was when I started the business, right? We, we were in business for about a year and I decided to go down to my small business um, development center and, and speak with an advisor. And I brought all my stuff down and I went down there and um, he looked at my numbers and everything. And he looks at me and says, okay, you need to raise your prices. And I, I, you know, I freaked out. I said, I can't read my prices. People, you know, people won't buy anything. People, and he looked at me and he said, if you want to stay in business, you have to raise your prices. You can't stay in business at these prices. 
So I, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, what are we going to do? And, and so I listened to him and I raised the prices and one person, one customer acknowledged the price difference and nobody else said anything. Wow, and that's so, great. Yeah, that was, that was kind of a, you know, a wake up call for me that there are people out there who live on incredibly tight budgets um, and they really don't have very many options. Um, but for, for a lot of other people, it's, it's a choice. They have choices to make on where their discretionary funds go. And for many people, it's, you know, it's a value system. They're willing to pay what I need to charge for, um, the health of their family. Um, and that's something that I keep in mind. I try and make options. I try and make, you know, if, if I can save some labor, then I can, you know, make some options that are uh, lower prices. But I know that I want to be here for for the long term. And so I have to set my prices at levels that I can sustain. Because if every one of my family members has to be working 80 hours a week so we can get it done, so we can, you know, we can pay our bills, that's not sustainable. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so kidding. when we are get to that, getting to that point, you know, that's when we raise prices. Um, and there, you know, there have been times we've actually lowered prices because we got a, you know, a new piece of equipment or whatnot, um, and we're able to be uh, much more economical. Like candles were an example. We, you know, we started out hand pouring them one little pitcher at a time. And when we got some better equipment, we were able to lower the prices because um, the labor went down. So it's it's really, you know, a function of, um, you know, how we keep the product sustainable. You know, you have to, you have to be aware of your competitors. Um, but so, you know, we're, <laughs> air quotes, you know, a real business. We pay unemployment. We pay workers' compensation. We pay all our employment taxes, all our, you know, insurance needs. There's there's a lot of people who are, you know, my competitors who are doing this in their kitchen and not paying any of those. Um, and so they're able to, to undercut my prices. Um, but that's something that either they're going to grow into a real business and they're going to have to raise their prices or, you know, they're going to go out of business because you can't keep, you know, you can't keep it up at, at those lower prices. So, you know, there's always going to be someone, if you're, if you're starting a business, there's always going to be someone who has lower prices than you, but you need to go on your numbers. Um, because if you can't, if you can't succeed at your numbers, then you're in trouble and, and something, you know, you have to look a whole lot deeper than just what you're setting your prices at. Yeah. That's such a great piece of advice. PJ, if you had to choose like only one single thing, what is your favorite thing about owning goat milk stuff? You know, it's wonderful working together as a family. It, that was was what I wanted. That was what I prayed for. That was what I was looking for. Um, because, you know, I want to raise children who, uh, I don't want to just say that I can be proud of, but who other people can be proud of and other people can look to and to be examples. And, you know, they're, they're able to... Um, put customers first, you know, that's hard. That's hard to, to, to give up, you know, your desire to be mad or your desire to say, Hey, that's not fair and put what the customer wants first. Um, so that, that, you know, helps them to, to die to themselves a little bit and, and, um, keep things in the proper perspective. I like the fact that, you know, they deal with, um, wonderful, kind, um, nice customers, but they've also learned how to deal with very grumpy, very mean customers, um, without taking it personally. So, you know, just being together and, and teaching them that what they do matters. You know, the fact that, okay, yes, I know you've made several thousand bars of soap, but you have to understand that that helps people every day with their skin. There's, you know, every day there's, there's a, you know, a child that's not scratching from eczema and every day there's someone, um, you know, we have a, a, quite a few chemotherapy patients who the, the chemo and radiation really destroys their skin. And so we have our organic Castile bar, um, which is just organic extra virgin olive oil and the goat milk. And that helps a lot of them. And so every time, you know, we send those out and like, look, see, we're making a difference in people's lives. And, and it's, it's just awesome. I that's, love it. That's so cool. I love that. So uh, let's try to give people some advice here. If uh, if they were looking to start their own sort of farm-based business in any way, um, what advice would you give to people looking to start a farm? Um, you know, land is your your uh, your first challenge. If you don't have land, you have to find land. There's a lot of 
um, land way out in the middle of nowhere, um, which is fine depending on what you want to do. Um, but once you do that, you know, you just have to find what works for you. Um, you know, we had pretty much all different farm animals. We had everything um, from a Jersey cow to turkeys, you know, sheep, we had it all. And we loved the goats. The goats were the the animal that made us happy that we did the most with. Um, and so just because someone else is successful doing something doesn't mean that that's going to be the right venue for you. And the only way to figure that out is to try. So, you know, to go in um, having to turn a profit really quickly is is a challenge. It's not something if you have any other choice that I, you know, I would recommend because it does take time. It takes time to establish. It takes time to figure out, you know, we, we experimented with our soap formula for probably about 18 months before finalizing it and figuring it out. And if you don't do that ahead of time, then you can get, you know, you don't ever want to damage your reputation. You know, it's always better to to wait a little bit, be a little bit more sure that you've got everything in a row, you know, you don't have to wait for perfection and and never start, but make sure you've got it right. Because once you start doing something, that is your reputation out there. And that's the most valuable thing you have. Man, that is such a great piece of advice about the um, money wise and turning a profit and everything. It's interesting because so many people um, like that come on the show and, and so much advice that's given around a lot, which is also good advice, but it's, it's almost like there's a yin and a yang to everything. People will give the advice of like, you just got to go for it. You know, like just jump off the cliff, just do whatever your thing is. That being said, um, like what you just said reminds me so much of this gentleman that I recently had on the show that started a company called Brickbook, these like Lego kind of MacBook cases that are really cool. But he was saying, um, to, start networking just just enjoy networking and just talk to people he's like you don't want to talk to people you don't want to meet someone for the first time when you need something from them because or when they can really help you out in some way because like they're going to kind of feel that and you're going to feel it when you're trying to just talk to them like and it's going to make you feel kind of weird it's going to make them feel kind of weird and i feel likewise when you're trying to have your business go smoothly if you're in such a bad spot financially you're going to just make worse business decisions. A, there's the part of just mentally, it's going to be very difficult for you. But I would imagine that there's a part where you'll just not make as good of business decisions because you are so strapped. Yeah, because, you know, especially at the beginning, you end up having to make choices that don't necessarily have uh, you know, an immediate return on investment that don't, that doesn't bring any money in, but it's going to be a mistake if you don't do that. Um, and so, you know, again, don't wait for perfection, but make sure you're off to a good start because, you know, I, I use the example that, you know, I had someone once um, refuse a free sample of my goat milk soap because she had tried someone else's goat milk soap and it had, um, it had uh, burned her skin, you know? It's so <laughs> insane. People, oh my gosh, people are so crazy. Well, yeah, you know, and I've heard people say, oh, I made my first batch of soap today and I sold it all. And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> you know, you can't do that. Yeah. After you don't know what that's going to do over time. You don't know. You, know. you just don't know what you don't know until you've been doing it for a little while. So, um, you know, if you want to if you want to have a farm business and you want to grow vegetables, grow vegetables for yourself, you know, grow some extra to bring to the local farmer's market. You know, don't try and have that be your first you know, your, your sole source of income, you know, for the next growing season, because there's just so much to learn. Yeah, absolutely. PJ, you have been so awesome. Please tell us where we can go to support you and buy some of your goat milk stuff. I, you I love your website. I love your family. I love you. I, your products are awesome. Like we have to go and support it. So, so tell us where we can go. Yeah. So our website is pretty easy to find. It's just www.goatmilkstuff.com. And I actually have a a free bar of soap for your listeners, if that's something that they would like to take advantage of. And all they uh, need to do to get that is to just go to goatmilkstuff.com slash intern soap. And that's all one word, intern soap. And that'll give them the directions on how to choose their, their free bar of soap and get that sent to them. That is so awesome. Thank you so much, PJ. I will definitely get one for my wife. As I said, she's got the problem with the cracking fingers and everything. So uh, that is so great. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, PJ. Absolutely. It was awesome to be here. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode with PJ. Do not forget to head on over to goatmilkstuff.com slash intern soap to get your free bar of soap. All you have to do is pay $3 to get the bar of soap shipped to you and you get this super kick-ass bar of soap. 
and if you do not do that, you're like a full-on crazy person as far as I'm concerned. And I don't know how she's only charging $3 for the shipping thing because when I ship out shirts, half-hour intern shirts, it costs me about $6.70, I think, to send a shirt. And a shirt does not weigh as much as a bar of soap. So she is like being super generous with the whole offer. So anyways, half-hour or <laughs> goatmilkstuff.com slash intern soap and get your free bar of soap. Thanks for listening, guys.